It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here. This is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I just feel it. So I will introduce my guest shortly. I promise this is going to be a lot of fun. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I will usually do this every single week. And before I forget, this episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any tech skills or without downloading an app. Try it free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that is phonesites.com forward slash B-R-I-A-N. Not too long ago, I revisited a book. That was the first that I believe I ever read on my personal development journey. And it's a book called The Magic of Thinking Big by Dr. David J. Schwartz. David J. Schwartz is a brilliant author. It was written in 1959, and the success principles that he discusses still hold true today. And one of the chapters was about having the right attitude toward people. He talked about giving great value to others and having the mindset of giving more than people expect. Think about this for a second. If we do simply what is expected of us, it's not very memorable. But if you make the decision to go above and beyond to help people, serve people, and give them greater value than they pay for, it builds a lot of loyalty. People will remember those who take that extra step. I can think of several examples of people like this in my own life, and I believe in many ways it has led to me getting some of the great guests that I've had on my show. When people see value in what you're doing, they will go out of their way to help you. So here's a recommendation. When you see a chance to help people, then do it. Pay it forward. It helps them, and you will probably feel a lot better, too, because you contributed to something greater than yourself. So do something like that today. You will be so glad you did. And before I forget, if you have not picked up my latest book, it's called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2. It is available on Amazon, and it features some of the best interviews from my show, including interviews with Kevin Harrington, Chris Powell, Brad Sugars, Dan Locke, and so many more. I cannot wait for you to read it. It's on Amazon. The paperback book is there, and the Amazon is the Kindle version is 99 cents. You can't even shake a stick at that. So go ahead and pick that up today. Once again, that is Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2. So my guest this week is AJ Mises. Let me tell you about him. After uprooting from his HR role at Facebook, AJ started his own gig as a career and leadership coach. He helps create and encourage powerful leaders, leaders, winning careers, and legendary company cultures. He does this through a powerful combination of coaching and consulting and has worked with clients in a variety of industries and company sizes. He can help you if you need a game-changing career search strategy to get you hired. He can help you if you want to skyrocket the team you lead to jaw-dropping results through executive coaching. He can help you if you want to develop your teams and leaders in a way that wows them and drives real changes through team leadership development workshops. He can also help you if you wish that your company had a powerful culture that explodes company performance and offers a premium employee experience through HR consulting. We have a lot to unwrap today. So here we are with my very special guest, AJ Mises. AJ, how are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. Brian, it's so great to be here with you. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. It's great to have you here too. So the question I like to lead with is, did you envision early in your life that you would be where you are right now? Oh man, that's such a great question. I... 
I knew that I always wanted to help people. So I will say yes in some regards, but in this current iteration, hell no. <laughs> right. Um, I, I never knew. My first job out of college was working in sales um, in a luxury hospitality company. And I quickly realized that sales wasn't for me. And I, I'm more so geared towards or was gravitated towards the operations and leadership and hiring and motivating folks. And so very soon after, I, I moved into property operations and learning and development and that kind of iterated over time to my my last role at Facebook, where I was an HR leader for a global group of about 3,000 people. And about a year ago, I started getting an itch to go out on my own and have a bigger impact and work with other people outside of Facebook. And here we are. Took the leap. <laughs> That's fantastic. I have to ask, what was it like working at Facebook? What was the culture like? The culture was absolutely incredible. The best people I had ever worked with in my career to this day, still the best, sorry to the, my clients out there, but they, uh, they are, the, the, the culture at Facebook is second to none. It is extremely supportive. They take hiring very seriously. So the people that are coming into the company are, are people that are, are better than you are going to level you up and, um, and are supportive and innovative and are builders and being around that type of environment every day was awe inspiring all, right. all the time. What prompted you to leave? Well, I was about four years into my journey at Facebook. And in about uh, October of 2019, I started getting an itch to put my strengths to use at my own company and to go out on my own. And I was really, really what the catalyst was is I was thinking about if I was 60 years old, sitting at a bar with my friends or my family and thinking about a biggest piece of regret that I would have, it would be not starting my own company hmm. and doing this thing on my own. So regret actually was the fuel that that really catapulted, catapulted me to, to do something about it. And then I, I very serendipitously in the middle of 2020 got some calls from various different tech companies here in the Bay Area asking if I would be interested in ever consulting or doing workshops or leadership development. And I was like, all right, this is the, this is the time. This is the <laughs> sign from God, sign from the universe, what have you. And I, I took it as my net and, and jumped. That's absolutely fantastic. I love that. So let me ask, what was your rock bottom moment and how did you get out of it? My rock bot at Facebook? Anywhere. Or anywhere. Ooh. I would say my rock bottom moment. I think my rock bottom moment was when I was working at the at one of the companies. I won't say which one just to sure. protect confidentiality, but I was working at a at a company and the my manager at the time was very discriminatory and um kind of a uh, male chauvinist he was terrible mm. um and treated me bad badly and, and and some of the other folks that i worked with and eventually had me moved to a different part of the business and it was devastating. I had, you know, crushed every single goal that I had had. I had gotten many accolades, bonus raises. And just because this manager had a certain way of working, it turned into a really toxic work environment. Mm. And I had to really dig within myself to be my own cheerleader and to get my mindset in a place that was going to be you know, help me lift out of it. So really what I turned to is, okay, how can I make this work? What are things that I need to develop in the next six months, because I, I kind of set a goal, I want to leave in six months. 
what are the things that I want to accomplish in these next six months that are going to catapult me to that next phase? And so I just started getting myself busy mm-hmm. with those things. So whether that was a class to take or a certain goal at the part of the organization that I was in that I wanted to hit or a certain accolade that I wanted to make sure that I received. Yeah. I put, I put myself yeah. to work there. I love that. And you had a plan. You, you had an exit strategy to leave, right? Absolutely. And, you know, my gut was telling me, like, just quit now and go find something. But that's often not the best thing that you can do. (laughs) So rather than quitting and losing an income and losing experience, valuable experience that I could have gained, I hung in there and I, I really made sure that I was making the right next move. And then in the meanwhile, getting that experience that I needed at the company to, you know, add to that list of stories that I could tell about value. That's very impressive. I love that. So I do want to ask, what great lessons did you learn early in your career that you are still carrying with you right now? I learned so much. I <laughs> I think um, things that challenge you are there to change you and not there to kill you. Mm. <laughs> um, and I think that was a really powerful lesson. You know, as humans, we avoid things that are uncertain. We avoid things that are scary because our brains tell us that, oh my God, this thing is going to kill you, right? If you go back to evolutionary times, that's exactly what fight or flight um, mm-hmm. of that is. And so I, I've learned that even if something is really uncomfortable or I'm, I don't like a certain situation or I don't like what I'm doing or I, you know, I don't like what someone said to me or whatever, it's, it's not that I'm going to die or that it's the end of the world. It's just that it's an opportunity for me to change. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. So you, and we'll talk more about this later in the show, you work with people that are ready for a career change and you've gone through some career changes too. How do you know when you're ready? So I call it what makes your feet tingle when you wake up in the morning. And for me, it was a series of waking up every morning and my feet weren't tingling because I I was going to go do something that wasn't aligned with my strengths. And here's the thing about people, right? We're we're adaptable. We we move and shake and change and, and adapt to the different experiences and different situations that we're in. And that doesn't mean that we love to do it. It doesn't mean that it brings us energy. And so there's a difference between something that you're good at mm-hmm. and something that you're good at that you act, that actually brings you energy. So something that you're good at that, that you hate doing is actually a weakness. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I tell people frequently that if you get good at something you don't want to do, the world's just going to keep asking you to do more of it. Yeah, Exactly. And then as soon as you know it, you're that you're that's what you're known for. And you're like, wait a second. How did I how did I end up here? And then you're miserable because it's like, I don't want to do this. Oh, but you're so good at it. No, 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 no. (laughs) Right. Right. And so you have to be you have to first do the work to know what makes you tick. And it it, is that thing that you're, quote unquote, good at Mm -hmm. something that someone told you that you're good at or something that you actually feel good about. And there's yeah. a big difference there, right? Because you're getting a lot of accolades about something that you're good at, but you hate doing it. Like maybe you're like, oh, maybe I should like this. Yeah. That's, that's not being true to yourself. No. And you have to be true to yourself. We've got less than two minutes to our first break. So I want to ask you, we'll talk about how you coach others later, but I want to ask, do you have coaches and mentors? hundred percent. Yes. Both. I have coaches who work with me on business strategy, mindset, leadership philosophy. Um, I have mentors who coach me on ways to grow my business or a certain way of, of showing up as a leader, um, mentors and coaches are invaluable. Mm -hmm. And if you think about like all the best athletes, all the best musicians in the world, they all have coaches and for their entire careers, right? They never stop getting coached. And that's the best part about, about what I do is I feel like we get to do that same thing in the professional world. 
in a round ballpark, how many coaches do you think you have, whether you're paying them or not? Oh, God. Ten? Yeah. That's – yeah. That's, yeah I, I believe it because <laughs> not – one coach will not be good enough to teach you everything. You have to learn different things from different people. And I yeah, love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are coming up against our very, very first break. My very special guest this week is AJ Mises. And we're going to talk about leadership development, executive coaching. We're going to talk about his company called The Human Reach. We're going to talk about how to know if you are in the right career or not. And what to do if you are thinking about looking for a new career. And we have so much to unwrap during this time together. I cannot wait to unravel all of it. And we will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will return shortly. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's words you never heard. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymis and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer, and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is AJ Mises. And we are going to talk about leadership development. We're going to talk about career changes. We're going to talk about executive coaching and so much more as the hour unravels and, and moves forward. If you've not subscribed and downloaded Success Profiles Radio uh, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do so. You can hear every episode we've ever done. We had the nine-year anniversary show last week. We passed episode number 400 back in November. So you could listen to the show every day for over a year before you get to every single episode that's been done. So do it. Listen to the show. It's fantastic. I cannot wait to share it with you and, and have you go back and explore the archives. So, AJ, I want to ask you, is there one main secret to success that you credit for what you've achieved so far? 
I think it's asking for what you want. And one thing that I experience a lot of times, and that, that seems like really cliche, but let me say what I mean. There's, there's a, a stigma out in the workplace that we have to always be humble and we always have to give others credit and we always have to uh, bow. And yes, you 100% have to do that. And you have to scream your success from the rooftops. And I yeah. think if you can do a combination of talking about all the things that, you, that you've done that are successful and be really vocal, especially with your manager, the person that you report to, um, about what you want, like what are those seats at the table that you want? What are those times at bat that you want? Um, that helps you move in the direction instead of just tossing it to the wind and letting your manager decide when, when you get that seat or when you get that time to shine. That's great. There is a really, really great book called The Aladdin Factor by Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. It's all about the power of asking for what you want. Have you read that? I have not. Oh, it's really great. It's to my list. It is. And in fact, if you prefer listening to the audio, you can uh, find the full audio on YouTube. So there you go. Perfect. I, I much prefer that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So what do you think were the biggest challenges in starting your company? Biggest challenges, I would say... Um, I think the fear of failure was the biggest um, thing. And, I, and I, I've dealt with this my entire career. Every time I've started a new role, like the first six months, I would find myself in this pattern where I would doubt myself or doubt the decision I made or doubt the impact I could have or the types of things I wanted to do. And that was just the same when I was starting my own company. The first eight weeks, I would say, were the most difficult. And that's really where I leaned on my coaches, my mentors, the people who were cheering me on. I actually have a series of six post-it notes that sit in front of me with like my personal mantras um, that yeah. re really reminded me why I was doing this. Yeah. And then again, like this isn't going to kill me. So like no. if I ever got like in the spiral that uh, this, I, what I call the self-sabotaging spiral of death, if mm -hmm. I ever got, if I ever got there in my head, I would just remind myself like, this is why you're doing it. This is what you're good at. I saved all of like the accolades and the things that people were saying about me in a folder. And if I ever was feeling down about myself, I would pick, you know, open that up and read a few of those just to remind myself of, yeah. of what you are. Because when you're starting your own company, it's just you. Yeah. You don't have people that are telling you great job on that thing or thanks for turning that in on time or yeah. that, wow, what an impact. You know, you have that from your clients, but you don't have anybody internally talking about your work. So the very first time you ship something, it's to a client. And you're just hoping and praying that it is of good quality and that you're delivering a, a great value, kind of like what you were talking about earlier. Yeah. And then there's solopreneurs that give themselves the employee of the month award every single month. That's going too far. A little <laughs> yeah, too far. Exactly. <laughs> a little too far. Is yeah. one of your mantras about your purpose and your reason why? Yes. Um, uh, yes. And so my big Tony Robbins um, once said that emotion creates emotion. Ooh. And I think that that remains at the center of what I do and that, it, you know, regardless if we're talking about your career strategy or, or your executive presence or your culture within your company, emotion creates emotion. And it's my, I feel, unique gift to be able to craft strategies and craft um, systems and things like that that help create that emotion that drive a great career, that drive a really great leadership presence or drive a really great culture. Um, so that remains really core to my to my ethos. Um, and then my other mantra, though, this is not like a, a core one of mine, but the, I had someone say this to me and she said, um, you are the living definition of feel the fear and do it anyway, feel your feelings and then don't look back. So I love that. I acknowledge that they're there and then just go. That's actually, that's fantastic. Yeah. So what do you think it takes to be a successful entrepreneur? 
I think a lot of things. I think you first have to think of yourself, even though I hated my my first sales job, you have to think of yourself as a sales and marketing person first. Um, that mm-hmm. is the lifeblood of your business is being able to serve your clients. And without any clients, you can't serve anybody. So you first have to really nail the client attraction and how you're going to be able to fill that pipeline of, of clients. Um, and then I think you have to have a a a way that you're going to a mechanism that you're going to be able to deliver that value. And so for me, I kind of started backwards. I started looking at the, you know, what was out there in the market right now and what void could I fill? And, um, the story actually is that I was not going to be doing career search strategy at all. Even though I had Mm -hmm. a huge background in leading folks, I was going to do exec and leadership coaching and um, HR consulting. And then the pandemic hit and everybody started losing their jobs. They're starting wanting to pivot and Mm -hmm. move into new industries. And I was like, I can help with this and I I know how to do this. Um, So I literally put those other two things on the back burner and built my whole career search strategy system because I knew there was just a huge need in the market and that I could help. That is absolutely fantastic. So let's talk about the human reach. You already talked about how why you started your company. What was the inspiration behind picking that name? So I was kind of a play on HR. <laughs> so that's the first yes. thing. So I got the human reach. And then the reach part in particular was because I believe you can't get anywhere in your life, in your career, in your job, in your company without taking small steps of action towards where you want to be. And you often have to reach to get to that place. You have to move into a place of uncomfortability to get what you want, because if you stay complacent, then you're not going to change. Um, right. So reaching is is that act of moving into that place of being uncomfortable. I love it. So when you are consulting with someone, how do you know if you are in the right career or not? I mean, a lot of things within a company have to be present. Mm-hmm. Culture certainly is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, your coworkers certainly has to be. Leadership and management team, that's so important. I mean, I've been in companies where I, I have basically fired the manager by leaving, you know, and I just can't. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot of factors in place. In fact, 70% of the of the working world is is Act, actively job searching at any given time. So if you think about it, there's a lot of people who are unhappy yeah. in what what they do. Um, but there are core things that I believe contribute to being happy in your work. The first is what I call the 70-30 rule. And that is that if you are doing 70% of what you love day in, day out in your job, you've hit the jackpot. Because mm-hmm. with any job, there's going to be 30% of the stuff. I don't know if I can swear on the yeah. show. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, of the, uh, 30% of the stuff that you just have to do that comes with your job. So for me, it's like working in Excel and putting together spreadsheets and pivot tables. I'm great at them. I can do them if anyone asks. But I hate doing them. And I have to just to know what's going on in my business. But that 70% are things like working one-on-one with people or putting together strategies. I'm doing actually more than 70% of that in my job. So I, so I know, and we know just from research that if you're, if you're, if you're in that realm, then you're actually working in a, in a position that you want. The other kind of coin of that side of the coin is working in a shadow career and a shadow career typically is when you are just around the corner from what you actually want to be doing. And typically this more so looks like 50, 50. So you're doing like 50% of the work that you love, 50% of the work that you hate. And if you could just increase it by another 20%, you'd actually be doing what you really want to be doing with your career. 
Absolutely. So you just said that a certain high percentage of people are actively looking for another job at any given time. So let's just say that we have some listeners who might be looking for a new role right now. What is the first thing you suggest they do? So the very first thing that I suggest people do is to look back at what brought them joy as a kid. And typically that says a lot about what you like and where you found joy and where your interests are. So I was talking with a client the other day and she found a lot of joy in coloring and in um, uh, art and design and things like that. And she was working in a sales role. Um, so not very creative, um, not very design focused at all. And what we realized through going through that particular exercise is that she actually really has been putting off pursuing a career in an interior design. And wow. her sales experience, right, is going to be helpful in terms of her getting clients and generating revenue and all that stuff. But what she loves doing is not selling all the time. It's really mm -hmm. being creative and getting to the root of design. And, 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 and we got that clue from what brought her joy as a kid. That is so interesting because I enjoyed writing uh, as a kid. Uh -huh. I, I enjoyed having my cassette recorder up to the radio and recording songs and announcing which song was coming next. Yes. So radio was right there. I, I did what you just said without even realizing it. Yeah. See? And so that's that's the beautiful thing. Funny thing, Brian, I did the same thing. So we probably would be two kindred spirits as, as Absolutely. kids. <laughs> I, would, cool. I would put together radio shows for, uh, for like road trips that we would go on. That's wonderful. <laughs> so... It's also very important to have a strategy. I've heard you say that companies don't hire job seekers, they hire specialists. That's brilliant. Yeah, they do. They they hire specialists. So I um what I mean by that are a couple of things. One is they they want people who have ex who have experiences, not experience. And so when you talk about people who are pivoting or changing jobs, there's usually a lot of similarities between a role that you're doing now and a role that you want to move into and it's about tailoring your resume in a way that tells about those experiences that um, that maybe wouldn't pertain to the role that you're applying to. So Wow. Or that, or that would. So, so for instance, I, you know, I'm working with somebody who's um, a, a sales, another salesperson, and they want to move to an account management role. So everything that's post sale. And one of the things that they were curious about this employer was, well, when have you dealt with unhappy customers? And if you think about it, they haven't dealt with unhappy customers as a salesperson. They've un, they've dealt with unhappy prospects. And so we just reframed the way that they were going to answer that question to talk about unhappy prospects, because that's really what the employer wants to know is how would you handle unhappy customers, how unhappy people? And it's the same tactics that apply. Yeah, absolutely. So interestingly, if we've got about a minute, minute and a half to our, our next break, a, a lot of companies talk about having a consistent brand. Would you also advocate that people in their job search need to have a consistent brand as well? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And what you say on your LinkedIn profile, for example, is very different from what you'll put on your resume. Your resume is a tool that helps you get a call. That is the only job of the resume is to get a first call back. And uh, that it needs to be tailored. And I always say you never wear a bikini to a funeral. So you got to ch change up what you're sending in that resume to make it tailored to that job. And then your LinkedIn can be a little bit more broad to kind of be a catch all in case you're covering a couple of different profiles. But uh, that's for the most part. I love that. We're coming up against our next break. My very special guest is AJ Mises. We're talking about career searches. We will continue exploring this topic when we come back, and we will talk about executive coaching and HR consulting when we return. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will come right back after the break. 
The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is AJ Mises. We're talking about career searches at the moment. And if you have not subscribed to Success Profiles Magazine, you can go to successprofilesmagazine.com. You can see what the magazine is about. It's a monthly publication, and the January issue should be coming out shortly. I know it's right toward the end of the month here, but it'll be coming out very shortly, and we're working on February right now as we speak. So you can go ahead and subscribe at successprofilesmagazine.com. So, AJ, um, you've had clients get new positions in as little as one week. What is the secret sauce for that? Secret sauce to getting a role within one week is action and having a lot of conversations. You don't get opportunity without creating opportunity. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I teach my clients and my students is the act of going into the side door, which is a way to like bypass the application process and to create connections with folks that you wouldn't already have in your sphere of influence mm-hmm. um, by creating, you know, interviewing folks that are in the role that you want to be in. Yeah. So create a list of prospects from your own audience, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Reaching out to people who are in your current audience and then folks who like, you know, for instance, if you are a project manager and you want to change roles to another project manager job, then going out and networking with other project managers, because what we know about like people in tech, they hang out with people in tech, people in finance, hang out with people in finance. And the law of reciprocity comes back to you at a certain point, And it's just about hitting that jackpot. Yeah. And I would even further advocate, make your top 20 list and reach out to everybody and see what happens. Yes. I actually tell people to reach out to 20 people a day. <laughs> okay, program, then. So. There you go. You really were serious about having conversations all the time. Yeah, That's all right. All the time. So let's talk about overcoming imposter syndrome because sometimes people have big dreams of places they want to work at, but they don't really, really think they can get that job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a plague that's, you know, imposter syndrome, I feel like I didn't really start talking about until the last maybe five years. Um, it's, it's really kind of rise to the surface and it's, 
um, it bothers me because I, I, it, that says something a lot about the mental health of, you know, people mm -hmm. in the, mm -hmm. in the world these days. Um, but what I would say is expectations, um, and the imposter syndrome is, de is derived from having unrealistic expectations for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I talked a little bit earlier about screaming your success from the rooftop and reminding yourself of all the things that you've accomplished. And if you compare that with setting realistic expectations for yourself, and especially if you're starting in a new role, that your only job when you, when you join a new company is to meet new people, form new connections and understand the context in which you operate. And if you can do those things, you will decrease the likelihood of experiencing imposter syndrome um, because that's important to understand all those things and, and yeah. to be kind to yourself. Yeah. So let's say that you have an interview. Now, obviously, during the pandemic, Zoom calls are very popular. Sometimes people do phone calls. How do you how, how does the interview process change now that we're doing a lot of things remotely? So everything's mostly happening over VC or video chat and yeah, everything from your initial phone conversation to all the way to quote unquote, the final onsite, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is now typically done via video conference. And one of the biggest things that I think people are realizing is that when you are interviewing over the video um, medium, you have to put forth 10 times the amount of energy than you would have in person. And that's just because a lot of energy gets, you know, sucked up by the camera. And so when you're interviewing over the camera, like having more energy than you normally would, being aware of your body language more than you normally would, being aware of like what's in your background and what could be distracting to the interviewer is also very important. So um, energy, it sounds cliche too, but the energy thing is, it, it changes. Like if you just think about yourself, okay, I'm going to knock notch this up five notches, see what mm -hmm. that does to your energy. Yeah, I, I love that. So let's talk about executive coaching because you work not only with job seekers, which could be at any point in their career, mm -hmm. but you work with executives, uh, helping them to improve who they are and what they're doing and how they're impacting their their company. So how did you decide to start doing that? One of the, my favorite parts about working as an HR person is working with leaders. In fact, the role at Facebook is designed to be, I'd say, 80% coach versus like someone who's processing payroll or benefits or something like that. The HR, <clears throat> they've, they've structured it so well that it's inspired me to do it full time, 100% of the time, um, mm. instead of just 80% of my role. And I think the, the other staggering thing is that like 25% of organizations say that less than 10% of critical leadership positions have ready successors. And, and so when you think about that statistic, there's a lot of, of folks who really haven't thought about how they're elevating themselves as leaders or how they're showing up or what their values are as leaders and how that translates into their team getting kick-ass results. Yeah. Do you think that people don't pick their successors because they're afraid that that person might pass them before they leave? Yes, I think that is absolutely one of the things. I think people are afraid to hire people who are better than them. But what everyone will tell you for people who have hired people that are better than them to report to them is that they actually end up creating more scope and more value in their role because they're able to elevate. So I'd say that's number one. The second thing is why people don't do that is because they just don't take the time to take the elevator up to 30,000 feet and look at how they're running their day-to-day, -day. look to see what types of things that they're involved in and making actions or, or, you know, tapping people on the shoulder to give them that experience. So it allows them to spend time in the most critical areas. That's amazing. So how does your personality dictate your leadership style? Mine or one's? Uh, <laughs> um, 
Gener- generally speaking. Generally speaking. Well, I think there's um, there's some important things to know about yourself in terms of where you get energy and if it's being in front of people or if it's by delegating or if it's by um, inspirational leadership or understanding what your leadership style is and how that plays into how your personality portrays that. And for me, like as an example, I'm actually, I, I guess I'm what, I, what you call an extroverted introvert where I, I love talking to people and I love doing things like this, like, like getting interviewed, but actually I need to take some time after I'm done to like refresh my batteries. Yep. Like it's not something that gives me energy. It like, I give it, give it, give it, give it. And then I need to go replenish it. And other people are the opposite, right? So yeah. it's about knowing, you know, what, what gives you energy, what fills you up versus um, the opposite. Yeah. It's like needing to recharge your phone on a pretty regular basis or there's nothing left yeah. for it to do. And knowing what that charge is, like what's that charge cable? Yeah, exactly. Great. If an executive has a challenge motivating and engaging staff members, what do you recommend? Because sometimes it can be very challenging. You might have a very strange team that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've, I work with a lot of folks who you know, maybe inherit a team, they just joined the company. So it's a, you know, it's a smorgasbord of people that they didn't hire and they still have to figure out how to motivate these folks. And here's the thing, this is what we know about humans. Everybody is motivated by different things. Mm -hmm. And so you have to get close to your people. One of my favorite phrases is the office is the worst place from which to view the business. So you need to get out of your office, out of your chair and have conversations with the people one-to-one to understand what makes them tick. Why are they there? What value do they bring? What motivates them? How do they like to be recognized and rewarded? And then, and then make it bespoke to each person. You can't have a, a wash all, but what you can do is understand patterns of your team. So once you have those one-on-one conversations, understand what patterns exist and then create those team-wide recognition or engagement um, yeah. programs or systems or ways in which you want to do that. Absolutely. And of course, it's inevitable that in a workplace, you're going to encounter conflict and an executive's job is to manage that somehow. But what about someone who hates conflict? How do you help them get through that? So first, you have to understand why you hate conflict, because Mm. usually there's a deeper reason why you hate conflict. I was working with a client um, a a few weeks ago, and one of the reasons why he hated conflict was because he was, he'd been at the company for 11 years and didn't want to let anybody down. And he had a lot of personal relationships with these people. So he didn't want to lose the friendship. And that was one of the, that's why he avoided giving direct feedback or, you know, correcting things that needed to be corrected. And so after we got to a place where he understood why he was so afraid of conflict, that he really was afraid of losing the friendship, then we got to, to a place to really talk about, okay, well, if you give somebody feedback, is that really going to lose, are you really going to lose their friendship? Is that a rational fear that you have? Mm. Um, or is that a self-limiting belief? Wow. And after we got through that, then he was able to give feedback. And even on the other side, again, I talk about action all the time. He took some action to give somebody some feedback that he had been hesitant to give them. And because it went so well and he had detached himself from being disliked, he felt awesome about giving that person that feedback because they responded so well and he was intentional about the way he was showing up and why he was giving the feedback and that he cared. And that was really the ethos of it, the, the caring and big heart. Um, yeah. So we explore that. Wow, that's awesome. What do you do when a client feels like they have reached their ceiling? Then what? Uh, in terms of their career growth? Yes. Yeah. So typically that's an indicator of burnout, boredom. All of that stuff is typically you're working less than 70% in your strengths. Mm. 
And so that's when we really go back to the things that bring you joy, the things that are working with for you and with you in your current role, your company, the leadership, the things you're doing every day. And we try to look for those clues for the things that are still bringing you joy. So maybe are in that 50% bucket. And then we start talking about, okay, if we were to design a perfect role that would get you closer to 70%, what would that be? And we start doing lots of exploration. It could be looking at job boards. It could be having informational interviews or what I call anchor chats um, mm -hmm. with folks to get anchored in the types of things that you love because you're in flow with another person who also loves that same thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and oftentimes that leads to revelations in what's missing. Absolutely. And I will tell you, and we've talked about this privately, I was in a couple of positions where a training position was created specifically for me because I was doing pretty well at what I was doing. And they said, you have to teach other people. So really it would seem to me uh, that if you were very forward thinking and you had an employee who felt like this, see what you could do to create a customized position specifically for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it, that works really well on smaller companies. As, as you get bigger and bigger, obviously the roles become a little bit more narrow, but typically there's some, some glimmer of truth, even in larger companies where you can't make roles all bespoke. Um, and, but, but how do you move people towards, again, their strengths? And again, that 30% is important, right? There's everything that there's stuff that we need to do in all of our roles. But, um, if you can move people towards working in what they love doing, then yeah. you will keep them. Absolutely. We've got about a minute or so to our final break. Let's just say that you do have a lot of different personalities on your team. That can be very, very challenging. What do you think is the best thing someone can do to create a cohesive team? So uh, definitely proximity, which we talked about earlier. The second thing is you have to create shared understanding with, uh, with folks. And you do that through bringing the whole team together to do team development. And I know it's probably a lot of people out there rolling their eyes. Oh, my God, another team development thing. But here's the here's the deal. When it's done right, when team development is done right, you have people who create connections verse, uh, through things that you would not expect. So for instance, I was working with a client last week doing some team development. And one of the activities that we did was we had everybody talk about their first job ever and what they did and what they loved about it and what they hated about it. And what we found is that there were actually some shared experiences between some of those teammates where they probably wouldn't have any overlap before because of the work that they do or how long they'd been at the company. And because they created this new connection through this very quote unquote silly conversation, they're hitting it off and they're collaborating and, and, and the teams are now working together. So um, even silly things like that can help. Fantastic. We are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this is going. We're talking with AJ Mises and we're talking about career development, executive coaching. We'll talk about some HR consulting things after the break. We will come right back. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will return. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com 
forward slash Brian. the average five-year-old asks about 400 questions a day. I overheard an embarrassing one. A little boy was talking to his grandmother on the telephone and said, I haven't seen you in a long time, Grandma. Are you in heaven? What do you call a small person who talks a lot? A yif-yaf. Not to be confused with a yip-yap, which is a young, scatterbrained person. Here are some questions I think we've all wondered. If humans evolved from monkeys and apes, why do we still have monkeys and apes? Why doesn't glue stick to the inside of the bottle? Where did the phrase, curiosity killed the cat, come from? It's actually a 16th century American saying that daredevil, curious cats, can sometimes get into trouble. Here's a couple of other words for daredevils. Hardy darties or harem scarums. I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back and down the stretch we come. My very special guest is A.J. Mises. We're talking about career development, executive coaching, and now HR consulting. So I want to ask AJ, when you're picking a team, you have to have the right talent on your team. How do you figure that out? So the very first thing is you got to talk about what you're trying to accomplish in the next 12 to 18 months. And then you Mm -hmm. break that up into quarters. So what do you need to accomplish first quarter? If that's the 12 month goal, the 18 month goal and working your way backwards from then the types of people that you're going to need to accomplish said goal. Um, and, and then it's about, you know, designing an interview process that, uh, picks, uh, picks apart people's experiences, not their experience that could help get you to that goal. And in fact, the CEO of, um, LinkedIn, um, Jeff Weiner kind of talks a little bit about this in one of his books where he talks about missions. Have you heard this before? No. So each of us, when we join companies, we have a mission that we're trying to solve, whether that's a group that we're supporting, a product that we're building, a client that we're serving, et cetera. And those missions change and evolve as you go through your career, through that role, through that company. And I think if you think about the way that you're building your team as a mission, you're putting a team together to complete a mission. And then everything else that comes is something that we can't foresee. We don't have crystal balls, but just think about that mission, um, then you're setting yourself up for success. That's fantastic. So building a thriving, healthy company culture can make or break your company, especially in times like this. So how do you create an empowering company culture? Does it start with having a set of strong values or does it start with something else? I think it starts with being human and realize Mm -hmm. that you, that we're all people working with people and understanding again, emotion creates emotion. So what are the emotions that you want your, your employees to feel when they work at your company? Is it that you want them to feel engaged? You want them to feel happy? You want them to feel challenged? You know, whatever those types of things are. And then coming back to your mission and values, um, mission somewhat isn't necessarily so much of the, um, uh, culture piece. Cause it talks about the North star and the way forward, but your values talk a lot about how you support those types of feelings that you want to have in your company. 
Yeah, um, I love that. And we tend, right, yeah, I do too. And I think the hard part is, is you know, there's, there was a cosmic shift in how we think about employers. Um, I don't go so far as to say your employer can be like extended version of your family because I do think they're very, very different. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but what I do think is that we we need to start talking more about emotion and how we make people feel within their companies. And then what are the mechanisms or what are the support structures or foundations that exist in the company that help support or aren't in support and how do we get rid of it? I love that. So sometimes HR departments don't always have a great reputation, especially when you look at it from a sales department from perspective, (laughs) because if you think about it, sales departments like to push the boundaries or change the rules and HR is usually about keeping the rules and keeping the boundaries. So how do you balance that? So I think if companies um, structure their organization where HR business partners are partners first. They're not mm-hmm. toll gates. Mm-hmm. And so including HR business partners in your company leadership meetings and in, including them on big decisions that you're making in the organization, including them on the way that you're building your business or those missions, um, you will find that the H- HR folks will do everything in their power to make that happen. It's when typically there's, you know, elbowing into the room that needs to happen or finding out things, you know, third hand um, where things kind of friction starts to exist. And so one of the things that I was really proud of at Facebook is HR people are business partners. They are people Mm -hmm. that the most senior leaders take to make the toughest decisions, to make the tough calls, to design what the products are looking like. Like the HR person is in the room um, when it's happening. And so when you can take that approach to how you're incorporating people, the people practice into your company, um, you'll be set up for success. I love that. And HR loves retention. Sales loves retention because it's expensive to hire new people. So how do you drive retention? So retention is a multifaceted thing. Um, I I would say there's a couple of things. I'll give you my top three. So the first thing to focus on for retention is our employees um, really there and attached to the mission. And are are they there to get a paycheck or are they there because they care about what they're doing and why they're doing it? I call that the philosophy of why. And so really getting down to making sure you have people and you're hiring people that are there for the why. Number two is making sure that all of your leaders are um, developed and act as coaches first. And I, I always go by the, the phrase, high tides raise all boats. And so if you think of your manager as high tides, and you're investing in them, you're developing them, you're making them really great coaches and people that folks are are super fans about, then you'll keep you'll keep people. And then the third is that you have some sort of career conversations with the folks on your team, regular career conversations, meaning that managers are having conversations with their directs about what's important to them in their career at least four times a year, about what's important to them, why that's important to them, and what are those seats at the table that they should be at in order to get that experience and to grow their career. That's absolutely fantastic. I, I love that. And that's very forward thinking. So I appreciate that you that you shared that. So how do you boost morale? Because this pandemic uh, really changed things for a lot of people. Yeah, so it's it's tough right now. I'm not going to lie. This this uh, interweb trying to create connections with people just isn't the same as like filling no. someone's energy in the person. Right. And um, and for folks who thrive off that, it's really tough. So 
you know, creating connection in this day and age is about frequency as much mm -hmm. as I like pains me to say that because normally I would say it's about quality um, when you're in person, but because you, you don't have those times when you're walking into people in the kitchen or that you're seeing them in, you know, meetings and things like that, you have to create those moments to connect. Yeah. And so even, you know, on, on the inside, you might be screaming because it's going to take up another spot in your calendar. Really what, what you're doing is just increasing the likelihood of creating more connections because you're taking the, uh, the time to do it. Fantastic. So AJ, how do you decide what you say yes to and what you say no to? Oh, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, I would, oh man. So I think it's, it starts first with understanding where, what is, what's the best use of your time right now? And if you can come up with those lists of things, because time is something you can't buy, something you, you will not get back. If you can think about where, where you need to be spending your time. And then I talk a lot about this concept called team network performance. Mm -hmm. And that means that if you are the subject matter expert of the thing that you're hired to do, chances are that you're going to need to find somebody eventually to do that thing. And you're not doing yourself any favors by guardrailing that. So when you think about team network performance and where you're a subject matter expert, thinking about who on your team exists right now that could start learning what you're doing and learning what you are a subject matter expert of, who's mm. the best person, and then start developing them in that way so that when you're forced to make a decision on saying yes or no to something, you have somebody to tap on the shoulder and say, hey, can you go do this thing that I typically do because now you're great at it. Fantastic. Um, and, that, and that allows you to free up your time. I wonder, I, I love that. I, that's wonderful. So what's your, what's your superpower? My superpower is, um, I, I, I can feel people's energy, even if it's through the computer and I, I, I can take that energy and kind of decipher it into me, uh, what they're feeling or really what, what they mean by what they're saying. Yeah. Um, I've always just been this person that can pick up on, you know, you know, when an energy in a room is off yeah. and some people are like totally oblivious to it. I'm not one of those people. I can walk into a room and if something is off, like we're going to talk about it because, um, we can't move forward if, if that's not addressed. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> so for, for better or for worse, it's a curse and a blessing, I suppose. Yeah. Choose to see it as a blessing. Yeah. Right. So what do very few people know about you that might surprise us? I used to work on the Ellen DeGeneres show. You did? I did. Tell us about that. <laughs> I was a PA on the Ellen DeGeneres show for a season, and I worked in the human interest team. Uh, that's where I ended, at least. And our job was to find like those really cool kids on YouTube that were doing really cool like musical things or yeah. that great family that deserved something wonderful. And we got to interview, pre-interview all those folks and pitch them to the producers and eventually get them on the show and produce a segment um, wow. with the segment producers. And um, it was so joyous. Ellen DeGeneres, I'm going on the record, is incredible. She's amazing. And um, I loved my experience there. That's fantastic. What is the most influential book you've ever read? Uh, most influential book was Switch, How to Change Things When Change is Hard, and that's by Chip and Dan Heath. Mm. And it's all about the the conflict that's built into our brains around um, what, what helps us change things when change is hard. Wow. If you could talk to the 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you tell him? Hmm. I would tell him that it's going to be okay. And you, this first job after college is not forever. So take it to build experience and the rest will come. Fantastic. So 
you were getting ready to attack the Death Star and you were on your final approach. What song are you cranking? <laughs> I think I'm going to play Formation by Beyonce. It's all about really getting. I know, Brian, don't no, no judging, but it's no, no judging getting, at all. Getting, getting in formation and um, and getting getting ready to to do your thing and like be in power. So uh, that that's what be, that's what pumps me up. That might be oddly appropriate if you think about it. <laughs> I think so. I play it every single time before I'm about to go on stage or, or do something because it just gets me in the right mood. Ah, there you go. What's the scariest thing you've ever done? I bungee jumped in New Zealand with my partner and I've never screamed so much in my life. It was like, I don't even remember the height, but it was insanely high. It's like the highest bungee jump in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, that's one thing I probably would not do. I've gone <laughs> skydiving twice and I'm done. Uh, we'll see. And you ticked it off and you did it. I did it. <laughs> I did it. So the question I ask everyone toward the end, who inspires and motivates you? Um, well, first my dad, um, my dad is a, is a serial entrepreneur and he's someone that's given me strength and encouragement. Uh, my grandfather was the same thing too. They both uh, own their own businesses and shut out for themselves. So big kudos to them. Um, and then I'd say also, um, Michelle Obama, I think that she was in a really tough position being married to the president and, and still charting her own path and creating stuff for herself um, and being a really strong leader for women. So I, uh, okay. I I look up to her as well. Great. So how can we try with you and vibe with you? How can we get a hold of you if we want to learn more and possibly hire you? Tribe and vibe. Yeah, you can go to thehumanreach.com. Um, and then if you're interested in career strategy, you can head to findmydreamcareer.com. Fantastic. Thank you, AJ, for being here. This was a lot of fun. Super fun. Thanks again for having me, Brian. It's been a pleasure. All right. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever and learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons that we can learn from that journey. Please join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. And I look forward to seeing you back here again next week. Take care, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Be good to yourself and have a great one. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.